Father, your love for us is amazing. (laughs) God, that no matter where we are and who we are and what we've done and what we've got ourselves into, you chase us down. God, that's amazing. And we just thank you this morning for the ways that you love us. Father, we pray now that by your spirit, you would speak to us through your word and that you would meet us wherever we are, Father. If we're in that lost place, God, I pray that you'd speak to that person and let them know that you love them dearly, Father. For that person that's in a mess, God, I pray that you would speak to them and say, you can help them out. Lord, wherever we are this morning, God, I pray that you'd speak to us and let us know about your love for us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, good morning, church. Hey, it snowed again. <laughs> I think it snows every Sunday morning now for the last four, five, six months. Um, but the skiing's really good, so there you go. <clears throat> um, yeah, so welcome. Glad you guys could make it out even on this snowy morning. You know, we're in this season of Lent, and we've been challenging everybody to to take a look at their life and ask God, what might I give up? And it's we're not giving up things so that we earn points with God. Rather, we're giving it up so that we can then fill that space with things that draw us near to God. And so we were talking about this as a staff. And it's, you know, it's really funny how much your flesh cries out when you try to do this, right? Your flesh just it squeaks and cries and doesn't like it. But as we draw near to God, you see the benefit of what God does for us. So I just want to challenge you again, as we, as we take this time to begin to look forward to the cross in April, that you might consider what you can give up over this season so that you can draw near to him and see what he has to say to you. Now we're continuing in our Luke series, and over the last two weeks, we have heard Jesus' call to enter the kingdom of God, right? He's been pushing us on that, right? We've got to enter the kingdom of God. We've got all this sin debt against God. That's got to be settled before we stand before him. And Jesus is teaching us that the way we get right with God is that we confess Jesus as Lord. We repent of our sins and then we begin a life of growing into what he's called us to be in Christ. And so this week we're going to do something a little different. You know, Luke 15, Jesus pulls back just a little bit. He's been pushing us, right? You got to get in there. And he's going to pull back and now he's going to talk to us about the heart of God. And this is really, really good for us. Our God is something to be feared, we know. We may have felt that the last two weeks. And yet, as we will see, our God is a loving, merciful, gracious God. He's like a loving Father, as we've been singing about, that runs into our brokenness to find us. And so He is patient and merciful with us. He chases us down. He rejoices when he finds us and brings us back. And we want to feel that this morning. Okay, so we're going to look at three parables here in Luke 15. Shelly already did all the preaching for us. She, she told you what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it again because we really got to hear it. Okay, three parables here. One is the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost or the prodigal son. And all three of these parables are going to teach us God's love for us. He is crazy about us. He's crazy about you. He will chase you down because he loves you. And then he will bring us home as we turn to him and he will rejoice. Okay, I want you to see, interesting note, 
There's not many places in Scripture where God tells us something three times in a row. (laughs) That's because He wants you to get that He loves you. He wants you to see that He is a loving Father who cares about you. So let's jump in here and look at this first parable, the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coins here in Luke 15, 1 through 10. Now, verse 1, as you see here, this starts with an accusation. Shelley talked about this. The religious leaders the were throwing an accusation against Jesus, and here's what they said. It said, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Imagine that. Jesus eats with sinners. Okay? They're angry because hanging out with sinners would either make him ceremonially unclean, or worse yet, he is a great sinner himself. And they're saying, what is it, Jesus? You claim to be a man of God, and yet you eat with sinners? In fact, so much so that Matthew eleven nineteen tells us that Jesus hangs out with these sinners enough that everyone is accusing him of being a drunkard and a glutton. <laughs> He's partying with sinners. And yet Jesus has already told us, as we've said, Luke nineteen ten, that he has come to seek and save the lost. Okay? Luke 5.31, he says, those who are well are of don't need a physician. Rather, it's those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus is telling us he's eating with sinners. When he does that, he's going about the very work that God has sent him to do. He's showing us the heart of the Father. And we often grow up with this religious mindset that God hates me if I sin. This is, this is where most of us start. This is what we learn, right? And yes, His holiness can be offended at your sin. That's what incurred God's judgment against us. But it's also the reason why He sent Jesus to save you. It's also the thing that lights up His love and compassion for you. And we must realize that when we think about Jesus, He is, he is not repulsed by who you are by your sin and brokenness. In fact, it's, it lights up His love and He is excited to rush in and to save you and to redeem you out of those situations. It's like the skilled doctor that's planning a medical trip to a far-off country to help those that are in need. He's excited to do it. He's got the resources. He's got the tickets made. He wants to pour out His love and His skills on our those of us that need it. And so here's Jesus' answer to these accusations. He gives us two parables here that we'll start with. And again, is teaching us about the heart of God towards us. Look what it says, Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 4. It says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he puts it on his shoulders and he rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying, Come rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons that need no repentance. Similarly, look what he says in verse 8. What woman then, having 
ten silver coins. If she loses one, does not light a lamp and sweep over the whole house, seeking diligently until she finds it. And when she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I've found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Listen, these are, these are stunning stories about God's love for us. Amazing. Jesus thinks, says, you think I'm breaking God's law by eating with sinners, but you've completely missed the heart of your father. <laughs> I eat with sinners because God loves them, and he's working out a plan to rescue them and to bring people back to himself. In fact, there's nothing that brings him greater joy than doing this very thing. And this teaches us several things about the heart of God towards us. First thing is this, as we've been saying, Jesus is teaching us that God desperately cares for you. His heart is for you. It's, his heart is to seek and save everyone that has run far from Him. We see this worked out in the ministry of Jesus. He's with the sinners. He's, he's drawing them in. He's going to the broken people. He's inviting those that are broken to the dinner. Jesus being the good shepherd, as he says in John 10, 11, I'm the good shepherd, I'll lay down my life for the sheep. He's the good shepherd that's leaving all the righteous to find the one who is lost. Really, this is the story of the whole Bible. We were talking about this this morning in our New Believers class, that we've rebelled against God and run our own way, and yet what did God do? In his love, he came running after us. To come and save us so that we could have a relationship with him listen god loves you and he is coming after you and some of you know it you see how he comes after you this is cool last couple of months we've had several people five six seven that have come to our church because over the last three years they felt like god was moving them to begin to read their bible they began to read their bible they began to feel God change their heart and their soul, and then God began to push them to come to this church. In fact, they said, I was scared to death to come into the doors. God was seeking them out. We didn't do anything. He rushed after them to find them. He's drawing them in. He's saving people. God is leaving this 99 to find the one that's lost out there. The parable of the coins highlights for us that, listen, you are valuable to God. This is, this is amazing. Here we're compared to this valuable coin that this woman has lost that she sets down everything she's doing to find. She lights a lamp in her house, searches every dark corner until she finds it. Listen, we as humans are God's pinnacle of creation. We are the most valued thing in all of God's creation. I want you to think about that. These mountains are beautiful, but God says, I care more about you. Whenever, wherever you are today, whatever you think of yourself, you need to know you are greatly valued by God. In fact, He created you to commune with Him, to reflect who He is to this great world that He's created, to shine as an image of our good God. And when we go missing, He notices. In fact, He goes looking 
for us because we are valued by His Spirit. He lights up our world as He's looking for us. He shines that light into our hearts to find us. And when He finds us, there's great rejoicing. You know, this week, this is, this is, this is, uh, this is by no accident. This week, we had a report of someone who lost a diamond in this building. Okay, they said, I lost my diamond in my ring. And you know what Tono did? He went and got his light. He said, I'm going to find that diamond. So he started searching this building, got out his light, shining it on the floor, went inch by inch over this building. And you know what? He found some things. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly, that's an understatement. He found some things, right? Now he came to me and he first he said, look at, look at what I found. And he shows me, and I'm like, you yeah, know, well, that's a plastic diamond, Tono. What do you said, yeah, it's a plastic diamond. So if you're a little girl out there and you had on a tiara and you lost your plastic diamond, we found it. But then he opened up his other hand and he said, look at this. And we said, is that a diamond? We thought it was the diamond. Now it turns out it wasn't. But we were rejoicing, right? We're like, we found this diamond. We called the lady. She was rejoicing. We're all rejoicing. Unfortunately, it wasn't actually the diamond. But this is what God does. When it goes missing, he gets out the searchlight, and he's looking for you because he cares deeply about you. Okay, God, Our God cares deeply about us. And ever since Adam and Eve rebelled, God has been on the hunt for us. He's turned on the big searchlight. The Holy Spirit carries it. He's looking everywhere for you. In fact, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 this, for, says this, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's pouring light into your heart wherever you are. John 1.4 says, In Him Jesus was life, and that life was the light of men. And that is the light that He is searching with us, the gospel of Christ, to know that we are loved, and we can be forgiven, and we can come back into God's family. And when God finds us, He transforms us by His truth. 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, When we behold the glory of God, when His light is shining on us, we're transformed. Our hearts are changed as we begin to know God's love for us. This is what we talk about, real life transformation, that you would know the, the heart of God, that He loves you, and in Jesus there is forgiveness and your heart is changed. You'll never be the same. God pours in truth into our hearts and changes our life forever. And then we begin to reflect Him to others. You know, these parables also teaches us that when Jesus finds the lost sheep or that lost coin, His friends and all of heaven rejoiceth. Man, what a cool picture, right? Think about that. All of heaven. God, His angels, the saints that have gone before us, when somebody comes to Jesus, they're partying. That's a cool picture. In the last couple of weeks, we've had a couple of people give their lives to Christ. A couple of adults two weeks ago, one of our kids this last Sunday. And you know what they were doing in heaven? Partying. Right? They looked at that and said, yes! They got the Father's love for them. Welcome to the family. And as Jesus' friends, I think this also says to us, we ought to rejoice in what he's doing. 
God is doing some great things right now in our country and in the churches in this valley. We are seeing people come to Jesus like never before. God is pouring out His Spirit. We ought to rejoice with all the saints in heaven that He's, he's doing something. God is on the move. He's always at His work. And His work is to bring in the lost because He loves them and cares about them. He loves you. He wants to be in relationship with you. He is drawing you in. These parables also teach us that Jesus wants us to take on this same heart towards the lost. Shelley said this just a little bit. Jesus in his ministry demonstrates the heart of God for the lost. And if we have given him our lives, he wants us to take on the same heart. Listen, you have people in your life that don't know Jesus. Your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your family, your enemies. <laughs> God comes after them too. I always tell people when they visit Salt Lake City and we'll go out to eat somewhere, I say, look around this room. We're the only Christians in this room. Right? This is the reality of the place we live. There's lost people everywhere we turn. And God's heart is for them and He wants our heart to be for them too. God is calling us to search for those in need of Jesus. Bring them to Christ. We leave this building every week to go out as God's searchlights to find them. Find those lost coins and the sheep and bring them in. You have a heart for the lost? Are their lives of great value to you? You have compassion on them in the midst of their brokenness and sin? Listen, it, it can be hard to love those that are not like us. Hard to love those that are in sin and, and differing from us and even troublemakers in our city and in our homes. But these are the people that Jesus is chasing after. In fact, you used to be one of them. <laughs> the heart of God says, look around. Those are the people I love. Jesus isn't thrown off by their sin, that they're rough around the edges, that they do bad things. In fact, it's because of what they do that he's gone after them and says, let's have dinner. Right? Jesus is teaching us what it means to join his kingdom work. This is real life multiplication that we go out and join God as he's drawing in those that are lost and showing them the love of the Father. So what is one sheep that God's calling you to chase after this week? What's one thing you can do to chase a sheep this week to say, you need to come back to the fold? You need to hear and feel the love of God. Jesus then goes on to tell us another parable. And really, I'm just going to say, Jesus was warming up to get to this one. Okay? And we're going to read this one together. Jesus tells us about the prodigal son, and I want you to see that really this story is not so much about that lost son as about God's love for that lost son. It's about the heart of the Father. He's highlighting the love of God for us and we'll look at it in three parts. The foolish son, the loving father, and the upset older brother. All teaching us about the heart of God for us. Look at Luke 15. Sorry, I'm going to turn there myself. Look at Luke 15, starting in verse 11. Here's what it says about the foolish son. It says, And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, and he took a journey into a far-off country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, 
and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing just to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. Okay. This is a familiar story that has been played out time and time again. The young son who's ready to get out of the house, out from under his parents, away from the siblings to see the world. The younger son turns 18, says, Dad, give me what's mine, and then he goes off to enjoy the world, to be free and happy on his own terms. You know, I was at a coffee shop this week, and there was a table in front of me where a young lady was working on her computer, and she got up, and I happened to see what was on her screen, and she had this PowerPoint about her life plan. <laughs> and it was interesting. She said when she graduates from high school, I think it was, or college, she was going to go live on the coast for a year. Okay, sounds nice. Wanted to engage in business after that, start her own, hope for all the opportunities that would bring her. Didn't know what she wanted in life, but she said she knew it when she got there. And she reiterated that her whole goal is to be happy and she would avoid anything that brought her unhappiness. Okay. Listen, this is not a bad impulse to be happy. We want to be happy. God wants us to be happy, to see the world. To, these are not bad things to get out from mom and dad. I was super excited to move from Utah uh, after living in Tennessee, right, to climb and ski and do everything to my heart's content. <laughs> these are not bad things. But we're often motivated, as we see this young son was, toward freedom out of rebellion against those God has put in our life. We want to be our own God, self-determining, call the shots. Listen, this is the attitude of our culture. Don't tell me what to do. I'm out for my own things. I'll do whatever I want, whatever you, I don't care what you say. And in the younger brother, Jesus is illustrating to us the rebellious sin natures of our hearts. That we would want to run from our good God, to find pleasure on our own, to be our own God. And I want you to notice something here about the crazy thing of God's heart towards us. What does God do? What does the father do with his son's request? He lets him go. Gives him the money. Says, knock yourself out. I want you to see this. God in His grace lets us run far from Him. <laughs> says, go for it. You want a life without me? Knock yourself out. <laughs> Often we think of God as a mean God that boxes us in, but He loves us so much, He'll actually let you go. <laughs> Not only that, but as we rebel against God, He still lets us have all the good things of the world. He lets you do whatever you want with the body He created, the talents that He gave you, the resources of this world that He made up, the pleasures of this world that He created. He says, like Burger King, have it your way. Right? Knock yourself out without me and see how it goes. And I just think of the little kid in Burger King who says, I'm on it, runs to the soda fountain machine and hits all of them right in a row. Right? Yuck. <laughs> And that's what we find out when we get out there, when we start living our own ways, being our own gods. It's kind of gross. Right. We've said this many times at Risen Life, that hell will be an eternal monument to our human freedom. 
that God let, it ha- let us have it our way. That we get exactly what we want, a life apart from God. And yet God, like a good father, will carefully teach us in our rebellion against him and will begin to lead us as we experience all sorts of brokenness. And we see this in this parable of the younger son. He spent all his inheritance partying, doing whatever the heck he could dream up. And he gets in that far off country and he runs out of money. And party stops when you run out of money. And while he's there in a financial bind, he didn't plan for the world events that, by the way, God has in control, that made his situation much worse. A famine comes on the world. Not only does he not have any money, but if there was food to buy, there's no food to buy, right? If he had money. So he hires himself out to work on a pig farm. Let me just ask you, have you ever been on a pig farm? There's a pig farm in Guatemala, and it stinks. (laughs) And it has woken me up before in the middle of the night, and I thought the demons of hell had escaped their beds from the sound that the pigs made looking for food. It's terrifying and awful. And this is where this sun is. This is a perfect picture of our life apart from God. Ever been there? <laughs> Ever found yourself in the pigsty? Maybe you're there this morning. But now enter the loving Father. Look at verse 17 here. It says, When the younger son came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here, with the pigs I'll add, in hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. It says the young man arose, and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, had compassion on him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. What a story. (laughs) Jesus teaches us some cool things here. First, he teaches us what a heart of repentance looks like. We've talked a lot about repentance over the last couple weeks. See, as God let him run far from him and experience brokenness, sometimes this is exactly what we need for him to get our attention. And this is actually a good parenting lesson. Let your kids feel the pain of their sin. Don't shield them from what their sin brings brings them, and yet you walk with them and be right there with them when they're ready to turn and follow. We're in the pig pen day after day. God is right there with us working in our life. He's waiting for that moment when you'll look up and say, it'd be better to just be a servant with God. <laughs> and that's the Holy Spirit working in his life. He says, I know life can be better than this. My dad's servants have a better life 
than this, and he says, I'm going to do something better. And this is where a renewed relationship with God begins when you say, I want to get out of this, Father. I want to get out of this, God. Help me. And then it says this. He gets up and he goes to his father, apologizes for his sin. He doesn't bemoan the consequences. He doesn't play the victim. He knows who he sinned against. He says, I'm sorry. And he turns that finger of blame from everybody else in his life right to his own heart. He says, I'm the problem. His pride, the dishonor of shame he's caused his father, the wasting of resources. We've been talking a lot about repentance, and this is what it looks like. To take our, realize our sin is our own, that we've only sinned against God. To say, I'm sorry. To turn from that sin and begin to walk with God and His grace. In fact, David in Psalm 51.4, he's talking about repenting from his adultery with Bathsheba. And he says this, he said, God against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Look, stop blaming people for the mess that you find yourself in. Stop blaming the world for its circumstances. Say, God, it's me. I'm the problem. I've sinned. Please forgive me. And look what the Father does. Luke 15, 20. When the Father saw him turn and come to him, says his Father felt compassion, ran and embraced him, and kissed him. Pause right there for a second. This is God's heart for your brokenness. This is God's compassion towards us in our sin. He's not offended with our stupidity. He's not offended with the mess you've made of your life. He's not put off by your failing in the same things over and over again. Rather, when He sees you turn to Him, He runs with compassion to scoop you up and bring you in. This is God's heart for you. And we think when we've made a mess of our lives, we ought to run from God. That's what Adam and Eve did. But this says we ought to run to God. And much of growing as a Christian is learning about running to God in our brokenness instead of away from Him. Because He wants us to run to Him. He loves us and loves you even in your mess. I learned this one time when I, I, in high school, I had a brand new car that my parents had given me. And you know what I did with that? Like any good 16-year-old boy, I wrecked it. And I thought, this will be the end of my life when I get home. So it was still drivable, drove it home, cowardly, brought my dad out there and said, Dad, I wrecked the car. My dad didn't get mad at me. I was shocked. <laughs> he said, it's all right, we'll get it fixed. And we went on with our day. That day taught me about the grace of God. And we see him confess his sins to his father. The father responds by bringing him a new robe, a ring, shoes. Probably gave him a bath too. He's been with the pigs and they throw him a party. Because the lost son has been found. 1 John 1.9 says, If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness and to cleanse you and make you new. Isaiah 61.10, look at this. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in God, for He has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, just like this Father. This is because when we come to God, He treats us as a son. Galatians 4, 5, and 7 tells us we are redeemed by God 
adopted as sons and God puts his spirit in us and we cry out to him as father. We are no longer slaves but sons and heirs of God. Isn't it ironic that the the partying the son wanted and tried to find apart from God is found right in dad's house? This is the lie that Satan teaches us. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the paths of life and in your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand and pleasures forevermore. It's the lie of the devil that it's out there. It's actually found right in the household of God with our Father. And just as the Father throws a wedding party for the Son, Jesus is inviting us to that great wedding party that we talked about last week. Everyone. The Father's love for the Son also teaches us to be good fathers. It's hard to be nice to your kids when they're in sin, right? It's hard to be gracious. You know, it's hard for me. Even last night I was discussing this with my wife. But the Father's role is to model this great heavenly Father to our kids and to develop in them a heart that wants to run to their Father to find forgiveness and compassion and love. So how do your parenting things need to change to look more like the father in this parable i know i have some things to work on now this parable also teaches us that not everyone is happy look at this last section it says this verse 25 says now this older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what what what's going on (laughs) And he said to him, your brother, he's come home and your father, he's killed the fattened calf. And because he's received him back safe and sound, we're partying. The older son was angry and refused to go in. And his father came out to him and entreated him. And he answered his father, he said, well, look, these many years I've served you and I never disobeyed your commandment. And yet you've never given me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And the father said to the son, Look, you're always with me. All that you have is mine. Or all that I have is yours. It's fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead, and now he is alive. He was lost, and he is found. Band, you can come on up. You know, some believe this brother represents Israel, that they will jealous, feel jealousy when God lets in all of the world into the salvation he is working in them. We might think more along the lines of Jonah who went to preach to Nineveh repentance, and when they did, he's mad about it, right? More likely, the older brother is one who's accepted by God, but generally just self-righteous. The older brother believes his hard work deserves a reward from dad. And he's angry that the younger brother receives mercy and grace from dad when he screwed up everything. But look at the heart of the father here. When the older son refused to come in the house, what did dad do? He went out to get the son. Just like he would one of the lost sheep one of the lost coins, his heart is to go out and grab us in our brokenness and show us love again. God chases us down even when we're mad at him. (laughs) Father cares for the son, listens to his complaint, 
then the father reminds him, here's my faithfulness to you, son. I've done exactly what I always said I would do. You have all the reward. You have my love. You can experience it whenever you want. Just walk with me. Ask me. And he teaches his son, son, it was right that I celebrated your brother's return. Because he was dead, now he's alive, he was lost, and now he's found. Son, you've missed it. My heart is for the lost. I have compassion on the broken. And when I see that happen, and I bring them in, and they feel my love, I'm partying. (laughs) Now come join the party, son. God's heart is to seek the lost and the broken. And if you are in that position this morning, you don't know God, God says, I love you, come home. If your sin has got you tangled up and in a big mess, God says, turn and face me, let me run and scoop you up and bring you in. I can bring healing. God loves you. He says, if you'll just come to me. We know that Jesus teaches us we do that by confessing as Lord, repenting of our sins, and then God picks us up in his arms, puts new clothes on us, says you are holy, you are clean, all that I have is yours, come into the party, let's celebrate. (laughs) So that's God's invitation to you this morning. We're going to have the prayer team up here, up front and around the room. Pastor Kevin and I will be here, feel free to go to Pastor Shelley or any of the staff, I want you to experience God's love for you this morning. If you're dealing with sin, again, he says, come, come pray with these people over the things that's going on. If you want to come to him the first time, he says, come and confess me as Lord, we can help you do that too. He just says, come, and what you'll find is a loving embrace. Let's sing about God's love as we close.